Welcome to the June 12th edition of Odds and Ends. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen, trying to get a start on the week here using stock odds data. How's everything, Rob? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Thanks. Um, I mean, we do look at other things as well uh, besides stock odds for, you know, our thoughts for the week, but it is a major building block. Um, You know, I've historically taught on really six pillars that we we build our trading framework from and they're not necessarily in in this particular order but just as a reminder you may have heard of it heard of this from me before or maybe it's new to you but um, i really believe in you know a fundamental foundation or a fundamental backdrop Um, you know if a company has no earnings at all to me, it's a very different investment prospect than something that has a solid stream of earnings and um, you know pays a dividend and so on. The the problem with with trading or any particular time frame that uh, an investor or a trader might enter is that the markets you know can run differently than those fundamentals. So you can have a a company with no earnings, you know, soar for years. But, you know, when there's when there's trouble, when there's challenges. That's when, you know, we find out if the emperor has any clothes or not. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's always been like that. But the problem is the in between times where, you know, everything is fine you know it's a party you know the the titanic was was having a great party before it uh, hit the iceberg you know so um it's just the way life is especially in the investment world so fundamentals this foundation is 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 important and it definitely comes into play when markets are you know in a real risk off environment when there's change there, right? The next one is um, statistical information. And, and we we use this day to day to day, and that's where stock odds comes in. And the statistical information covers a lot of the noise aspect of trading, which over the long sample, we see a lot more noise than we do see signal. I'll give you an example. The you know, back and forth action that you can have in a consolidation zone um, or, you know, from day to day is more repeatable than, you know, a streak, even if you've had, you know, five, six, seven, eight days in a row. It seems it seems like a lot, um, but that doesn't happen as often as you get those back and forth days that, you know, the trading ranges, the consolidation, two days up, two days down, that kind of thing. So um, this statistics work you know reasonably well in you know the long the long sample of all of that activity looking for the noise Um, but we also like to pay attention to the signals that can come from other things then you have technical considerations so those would be like you know you see a support level that's actually been produced by traders and investors. Um, you see a resistance level that's actually been produced. So these these levels 
um, are important, and we call that technicals. Um, and trends and, and trend lines and, and moving averages and things. It's all, it's all part of it. But again, you can't hang your hat just on one item. So technical considerations, if you can use them to your advantage, if you can create if-then statements, it's great. Then we have historic observations. These are relationships and things that have stood the test of time that, uh, you know, if this occurs, then generally this occurs. This stock tends to be very sympathetic to this stock. It tends to track with this, right? And then we move into sentiment. And sentiment is, you know, kind of like a voting machine. It's not like things are equally weighed. People have love affairs with certain stocks and, and they hate certain stocks. They, they all uh, think the world's great or it's terrible. Uh, you know, we're, we're now fighting you know, many different fronts of changing sentiment and it's getting worse as inflation persists and interest rates rise and other things get affected, asset classes decline. It does affect sentiment and that that takes some time to reverse back to where you get an optimism happening again. It doesn't happen overnight. It may seem like it does when we suddenly get a, a bear market rally. You may think, you know, everything's changed, but that doesn't mean sentiments changed. It just means that there was a appetite to pick up some stocks at a discount that particular day and it fed on itself and algos fed on that and people didn't want to miss out and but that might still be hot money and weak hands right when sentiment truly changes then you're going to have stronger hands and then you have the sixth one which is macro influences and all that goes with it globally and then also news on specific you know stock specific news industry specific news sector specific news so we put all these in the macro and, and and news category so all those six matter and not necessarily in that order um, but that's how we view things and so we we like the statistical approach and we also add in a few other ingredients to give ourselves a better fit. And we're gonna to try to put a, a bit of that in today with looking at different things. Um, I'm gonna flip it over to Dave at the moment here to just where are we at with the future since they opened at 6 p.m. Eastern time? Yeah, uh, it's a bit of a risk off mentality here. Uh, the Dow is down 0.97%. The S&P's minus one, one and a third percent, and the Nasdaq's the worst at minus 1.8 percent, and the Russell at minus 1.4. So it looks like it's just a continuation of the kind of theme we had on Friday with the Nasdaq a little bit worse than the, the S&P, and then oil is down about the same as the S&P. So the S&P's down one and a third, and oil's down about one and a 1.4 percent. So it's not like oil's crashing down. But Bitcoin is down quite a bit, uh, so again, confirming our risk off well, uh, 8%. Right? 
Yeah, and 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 normally over the weekends, Bitcoin has often traded, you know, and done a lot better. It's had some dips on weekends too, but generally, uh, you know, what I my observation has been is it's been trading stronger when the stock market's closed, and it tends to get under some pressure uh, with the stock market only because the stock market's been selling off. You know, most of the weeks since January, we you know we've had some up weeks, but not as many up as down. And uh, so overall, I think Bitcoin and and some of the other cryptos have just been declining along with the stock market. Yeah. But when the stock market's closed, sometimes we get good rallies on the Bitcoin, right? Yeah, and Ethereum is close to 10% down. But the VIX, I mean, we we opened sharply up when the futures opened, and it's been grinding higher. So we're now above 30, around 30. And uh, I mean, last week we got close to 24, 25. So that's a big change in the VIX. And uh, it seems to be like conditions are deteriorating because it is grinding higher in the background there. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think I think we're in a situation where, you know, good good news is bad, like anything that you know, where the economy's firing on all cylinders, where, you know, uh, we've got any sort of hints of more inflation kind of being priced in, like wages rising, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, strong economic data is actually bad at this particular junction because, you know, the inflation uh, is is a serious thing. And it's surprising that a, a a lot of economists have missed it so bad. Like, you know, they were surprised with the CPI numbers and they missed it on all counts on Friday. And so um, we're now seeing that uh, Barclays is calling for the Fed this week. So Wednesday is our announcement day and they're calling for the Fed to raise it by 75 basis points. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 50 is a given, right? 50 is for sure. We know that because Powell already said that. I mean, it's going to happen. 50 is on the table. But 75, Barclays is saying. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean everybody's agreeing with that. and doesn't mean the Fed will do it. But if they were to do it, I think it could send a significant shock again. Because we haven't been pricing in 75 for this one. And the odds makers have been pricing in a 50-50 chance of 75 in July. Mm-hmm. So that's the next meeting. So again, for that one, 50 is a given as well, but they're calling for maybe 75. So so there's there's some stuff starting to change here. And, and that just means, wait a minute, if our models are kind of off, we've got to factor in more risk. We've got the two-year already at a 15-year high. It's going to create additional strength in the dollar. Um, So, you know, that affects international stocks differently than domestic stocks as well. Um, We've got the 10-year yield now at 3.19. We've got uh, the 30-year mortgage is now up at 5.85%. So it's creeped up. Uh, Overall, as I scan through the news over the weekend and coming up to now, it just seems like there's more and more, you know, negative. Like I think there's a significant negative force in play, which has to just play itself out. Um, 
you know, we had last week was the worst week since uh, January. And we've had so many, you know, down weeks uh, already this year. Um, we don't have a full blown, you know, yield inversion yet. The the two to two over 10 is still positive, but we've got a little bit of yield inversion going on on some of the other time frames, um, but not to the point where you could say it's definite that a recession. So this is going to be this this battleground of, of you know, whether we're going to have a recession or not. So the support level is around 3,400 if things just play out the way they are. If we go to full recession, GS is saying 3,150 on the low side. So there's some serious, you know, serious room to still move lower, right? So anyway, this is like, didn't we have a podcast and I said, I wouldn't be surprised if we erase all of the stimulus, you know, that we had since, you know, 2020 kind of thing. It wouldn't surprise me in the least to erase it all. I mean, that's what bubbles do. You know, it's like when you blow up a balloon and you pop it with a pin, what happens to the, the balloon? It kind of returns if it doesn't shred, it kind of returns to its original shape and size. It goes back, all the air comes out of it, right? But that would be pretty <laughs> remarkable for us to go all the way back to that 2020 well, level. It's it's possible because, you know, I mean, it's just a matter of erasing all of the, this, the benefits and the policies of, of the, that stimulus and... Um, you know, it's it, it's not the first time we'll see a, a bubble, you know, disappear, and we went we go all the way back down to where we came from. So, so I think I think we're just fighting a, a pretty serious deluge of bad news, uh, and then this problem with good news is bad, like strong economic data, um, and then we're facing, you know, having to readjust for maybe more significant Fed action if if they head that way. Um, if they only do 50 instead of 75 and the market starts already the next two days to price in 75, uh, then, of course, we could see a rally, a relief rally out of that, right? Mm -hmm. So that that sends me over to you with mid-month seasonality. Can you talk about what we see because it's starting tomorrow, right? Yeah, it's uh, the 9th, 10th, and 11th business day of the month, which starts tomorrow. And so the S&P, the spider, is expected to do plus 0.42 for the mid-month, and so are the diamonds, which is a coincidence. They're both exactly plus 0.42. So I did, I did a screen a little bit earlier to look which, which ETFs are expected to do better than that and which ones would be worse to find things that maybe do go longer or shorter relative to the spider. So the longer ones are things like healthcare and biotech, XBI, IBB, real estate, small caps with the IWM, utilities, chips, the QQQ, consumer discretionary. Uh, it's even got XLC, XLK, utilities, healthcare. So a lot of stuff is set up to do better than that during the seasonality window. And the things that are short, uh, expected to do worse are shorter, silver, gold, materials, energy, financials, industrials, and staples. So it's a mixed bag of things that are expected to be up and down, but I think the themes would be health, um, biotech, 
uh, small caps, chips, QQQ technology, things like that to be longer during the window. But then when we look at our futures for tomorrow, I mean, do we really want to be longer technology, right? That's NASDAQ's getting hit the hardest already. And we got pretty hit pretty hard on Friday as well. So the major de-risking is hurting the NASDAQ and technology more than some of the other sectors. So it's a little tricky there. Right. So we should look at like what what are the actual support numbers coming up here on the market ETFs themselves, which is what most people are referencing. Um, I you know it just doesn't surprise me if we want to go and test the May twentieth. Uh, reversal day on the on the diamonds. Um, you know we had a low of 306.28, and we stopped on Friday at 314.37. So we have, you know, have a, a little ways to go to uh, test that. But it wouldn't surprise me at all um, because this is what what generally tends to happen is when you get strong inflection points where m many people might have capitulated on volume or tried to get back in and you had a real reversal, those become key numbers. And when the market is heading that way, it, it's really like a like a hive sentience that that wants to go and test it. It just does. It just wants to make sure that, you know, we can have something to lean on. So I don't think it's going to be happy until we get a, a solid test of that. Let me put in the spy here and, and see what that number is. Um, so the low on the on May 20th was um, 380.54, and we're at 389.80 on the close of Friday. So um, you know that's not that far to go. Um, you could factor in how much we're already indicating down and see if we're you know in the zone to to hit that already. Um, so tomorrow will be important as in terms of where we're actually opening. What happens in the overnight futures? What happens pre-market? Where are we actually opening? If we're opening at support level, you could get a bounce, right? So it's it's what what we're talking about now in terms of factoring in that we can go test it. You might actually be be there. So just keep that in mind. You know, we had a significant gap on Friday from Thursday's close to Friday's open, already a significant gap. So we can cover ground very quickly when people are wanting to get out of stuff. And they generally make the, the, the mistake of getting out at the wrong time. This is, you know, this is a historic situation that we see repeating itself. Um, just to move over to the queues and check them. We've got uh, a low on May the 20th of 280.21 and we closed at 288.84. Uh, we actually had a, a higher low that was good at uh, 282.25, so a couple points above that. Um, yeah, so that that range down there, so not as big of a distance as, as what the diamonds have to, to travel, but um, you know we're closing in on that. And then for the Russell IWM, uh, you got a long way to go to get to the May 20th low. Actually, May 20th low, we don't need to go there. That, was, that wasn't the low low. So the low low was May the 12th for the Russell. So it was out of, out of step with the other markets and hit it on May the 12th for 168.90. And so we're 
we're about halfway from the recent highs down to towards that low. So we may not, you know, we may not have it trade at all like the other markets. So just keep that in mind. The diamonds should be the most defensive just because, you know, you got you're talking the Dow 30 and, and their lower volatility generally. Um, the Qs should should be the one that moves the most, right? Spies next, okay. Um, well, the, the other pressure on the Qs is the ten year. So I think we're above three point one eight. I think yeah, ten year Treasury three point one nine percent right now. So it's keep rally, keeps rallying. That's going to put more cool. pressure. Off Let's talk next. a little bit about um, how we kind of line up some of the the building blocks that we were talking about, the foundational principles. So for example, if we take a market like the Dow 30 and the, and the stocks, and we were to, to divide them into longs and shorts, we, on a statistical basis, we would have 22 longs and eight shorts that would come up for, for trading if you, if you wanted to use every symbol. And, and that just, what that's taking into account is the entire move of how we got to where we were on Friday and what that means in terms of the potential to sort of have a, a, a reversal. Now, those stats are based on what has historically happened on average over the last 2000 days. And, you know, that that's that's quality information. It doesn't know, however, what's transpired, let's say over the weekend, what new news has come out, you know, what other shoes are dropping. Um, and so it's good. So, so we have 22 symbols long and eight short. Of the eight that are short, a couple of them are consumer staples, which if you're having a risk off type of day, they're probably gonna be stronger than you know, the technology stocks. And in the technology stocks, you know, we have about eight of them, I think, that are seven or eight of them that are, you know, uh, sorry, of the of the 22 that are longs, seven or eight of them are technology stocks. So those aren't the best for a risk-off day. So here's here's how I would prepare. I would actually prepare the Dow 30 lists two ways. One is a risk on, and one is a risk off. And the reason I say that is, if you were to be opening down at support with a very significant overnight gap from the close of Friday to the open of Monday, and you were to open at that level, there is a chance that they kind of discard the defensive posture and actually buy some of the technology stocks. And with the yield moving the way it is, maybe buy some financials and things like that, right? And then the other approach is to have more of your longs that you wanna buy uh, more defensive and split a little bit better between longs and shorts rather than 22 longs and eight shorts. So if you're opening with some distance still to travel to be able to test the May 20 
the me 20 low right on the diamonds then it's better to be defensive if we're already opening down at that level and there's tremendous potential to bounce up from there because you you tagged it then you would want to be in things that are a little bit more risk on does that approach make sense dave yeah that's a good, good strategy right so you it, it doesn't take much to, to take and to prepare things two ways it, it's a little bit more effort but again it's not that bad so um you know of of the components that are in the dow um so which 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 groups um are favored uh from there that you would say you know uh, this would this would be part of what should happen this week well mid-month seasonality favors techno like things like nasdaq technology xlk discretionary the risk on stuff is is um, favored according to the mid-month seasonality so that would that would play well if we opened if we opened down at that level and then we had our risk on list uh -huh. it would it would match the seasonality and you could say from a technical perspective it's a good trade as well because we we have support um and so the what would work against seasonality is that you know this this banter of recession this this you know odds making on the 75 basis point hike if that increases between now and tomorrow or or you know for this week in general and then the fed actually does that 75 i think it's going to wipe out seasonality meaning that we're going to be much more defensive and and totally risk off for the week yeah See, this is the tension that we have to deal with as traders, right? And and you're never gonna have. It's not gonna be perfect. There's a lot of there's a lot of confusion. You know, the, the nobody has a a good compass. You have you hear a lot of voices, a lot of talking heads. Um, and I just like to I really like to take a statistical approach, so that I understand that what happened on Friday or in the last many sessions this is what is most likely to occur next and if i can match that with some other things you know to to line up some ducks that's really beneficial and it it does line up with seasonality if we take the approach that you know we can have exposure to technology so again just repeat what from a seasonality perspective groups what sectors can we have exposure to for this next five days uh technology consumer discretionary healthcare, uh communication services and chips and okay. utility right and real estate yeah now let's say it's going to be a crappy crappy week it's everything's gonna bust loose to the downside Okay, now what groups? From that perspective, what groups would you want to be long? Just say the long ones. According to mid-month seasonality or just? No, just according to it's going to be a terrible week. Oh, well, you want to be in your utilities, um, healthcare, staples, uh, maybe real estate. I mean, those are probably the ones you want to be. Okay, so we did, you just, you just named an overlap. 
healthcare. Mm -hmm. So healthcare would be considered neutral under both conditions, mid-month seasonality and a terrible week. Right? Yeah. Okay. So that's you 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 kind of want to find your Switzerland's, right? <laughs> you want to find your Switzerland's because that can help you um, you know, you can do this. You can choose to just play in those groups uh, with a couple. You could take healthcare, for example, and you could go to Stock Odds web screener and you could just take the one S&P 1500 healthcare and choose some great odds for the long side in healthcare and some odds for the short side in healthcare or use the ETF. Mm -hmm. That puts you into Switzerland long and short hedged. So I have to say this over and over in all of our education and events and meetings and whatever, is that when it's risky, when you're not clear, when things are very confusing and lots of news coming from all angles, it's better to focus on you know, filing a, a really low variance, balanced approach and take long and shorts that are going to help, you know, focus on the relative performance between the longs and shorts and not the direct market exposure or not the direct, you know, sector exposure either. OK, so remember, you can choose as much safety as you want or you can embrace as much risk as you want. You're the operator. You're the CEO of your own trading business. It's up to you. Um, when we kind of get a great read on the market for risk on and, and the world's a wonderful place and everybody is out wanting to buy, you know, you want to press on your groups, your technology and things that, that perform really, really well. Um, but that's not what's happening in these down markets. We're seeing a lot of pain uh, you know, if you want long side exposure to technology, you're going to get you're going to get run over. OK, mm -hmm. well, I hope that helps. Um, you kind of if, if you want to do this approach, you kind of have to go to the um, you know smaller market, like go into the S&P 100 or the Dow 30 and uh, and then look at your you sort it by group or sector exposure. And then, you know, go and select the best odds from each group. And that's that kind of gets you pointed in the in the right way. And if you can find an overlap between mid-month seasonality and you know what's going on in the in the real world right now, um, then 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 great. If if you can't, you know, don't be afraid that one can cancel out the other. And you won't always have that compliment because that's that's reality. We can plan for something and the weather can change, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so hope that helps. Anything else, Dave? No, this should be interesting, interesting day tomorrow. Yeah, it, again, it's really important where we open. You know, what happens pre-market and where are we actually opening? And that will kind of set the tone for the day. But But this whole week is going to become largely centered around the Fed and any other major things. The oil thing is still big, you know, the China thing. I mean, they just kind of re relaxed on some curbs. And now over the weekend, they've 
going back to full-on testing in Shanghai and Beijing, which are, you know, two massive population centers. So, I mean, China's not out of the woods. We've got, we still got war. We still got other things brewing everywhere in the world. So fasten your seatbelts and get some rest and we'll catch you guys next, next week on Sunday for the podcast or during the week as we do our live shows with uh, Joel Alconin. Okay. All right. Good luck. Thanks a lot.